0: Hello, Derek Shapiro here in Providence, Rhode Island for the Boochcast. Um, and I just want to say uh, happy holidays. I just want to tell you some events happening with me and Vinny Bucci this holiday season. Um, I thought maybe instead of him interviewing me, I could just tell you this a long list of events happening with me and Vinny Bucci. Um, D-Shop in the mornings on vacation um, from uh, December 24th. Till January 3rd, I'll be back on vinidabooch.com. It is 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday. The Boochcast rerun show is on VinnyTheBooch.com. Right out to D Shop in the morning. That's on vacation till January 3rd. Um, also, um, from November, I mean, from December 24th to January 3rd, the Boochcast show that airs on VinnyTheBooch.com. under the Boochcast rerun show on vacation from December 24th till January 3rd. Um, at 12 p.m. Um, also, um, me and Vinny Bucci are going to be um, uh, Vinny Bucci will appear on the Derek Shapiro's annual New Year's Eve bash. Airing, uh, starting 9 o'clock on New Year's Eve, December 31st, DSSTVStation.com um, and on DerekShapiroShow.com, leading channel 1. In addition to that, um New Year's Day, the animal movie countdown show with me and Vinnie Bucci, movie internet dot movie internet dot on the front page. Also, if you haven't uh watched the movie yet, starting over, um also um I just lost my good friend who's been in a lot of our movies, James Buddy Love Herring. Um he was in a lot of my movies, you know, walking walking part two, Pastor Harris, Vinibucci and Jerry Truman. He was in Holidays of the Mall, Part 1 and 2, and he was in Starting Over. The recent Starting Over movie is out now on internet movieinternetchannel.go.yolice.com, and on YouTube. Just put in the Starting Over movie, Derek Shapiro. James' buddy love herring, was 70 years old. He passed away with COVID and pneumonia, um, and uh, just uh, peace goes out to his family. I just recently went to his wake and his funeral. Other than that, *Vinnie Bucci fans, um, you'll be seeing me and *Vinnie Bucci on New Year's Eve, and... On the Movie Intent Channel. to come Movie Intent Channel. To, to come on New Year's Day at nine o'clock in the morning and December thirty first, the New Year's Eve bash, nine PM. Derek Shapiro should have come, to channel one and DSSTVStation.com. station. Thank you. Vinny, happy holidays. Happy New Year. Be safe, everybody.
1: I've tried, 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 and I've tried even more. I've cried, 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 and I can't recall what for. I press, I push, I yell, I beg, hope it's some success. The inevitable fact is that it never will impress. I have no more fucks to give, my fucks have all run dry. I've tried to go fuck shopping. Got no fucks to give The more fucks I've tried to get the rally my fuck oh
2: What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of N-X-T. And unlike last week, I am riding solo on this episode because uh, last week I had the broke... Soulless Ginger Zach Scott with me, but uh, because of our schedules and uh, everything that's going on in our lives, uh, Zach mentioned before this is gonna be the it's gonna be a long time before he's back here on the show. But I'm excited that he came through uh, to do the NXT recap as well as to uh, record the episode that we did. Uh, it's on like Donkey Kong. If you haven't heard that one already, then after you're done listening to this, go back and check that one out. If you love uh, Zach, because that was a uh, one hell of a great great episode and Speaking of great episodes, uh, this episode of NXT was also great. And I'm not going to waste any more of your time. We're going to jump into this. Uh, right here, right now, and uh, we kick things off on this episode of NXT with a in-ring segment from the NXT champion, Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, Ciampa basically talks about how Braun Breaker is gonna interrupt, and he has something he wants to say to his face. So rather than wait for him to interrupt, he uh, calls him out to the ring. Uh, Ciampa says Breaker earned his title shot at New Year's Evil, which is set to take place January 4th. He said at Halloween Havoc, Ciampa exposed Breaker. Ciampa says Breaker isn't ready to be champion in Ciampa's NXT. Breaker doesn't stack up to the former champions. Ciampa stresses that Breaker is doing great, but he doesn't know if Breaker is ready for this. The responsibility is too much too soon. It only took one mistake at Halloween Havoc and it was all gone. Ciampa is sure Breaker won't make a mistake like that again. Ciampa yells that reality is going to hit Breaker before slapping him in the face. Breaker grabs Ciampa by the throat and lifts him in the air in a gorilla press. Breaker smiles and sits Ciampa down. Ciampa looks. Confused. Breaker tells Champa that blood is in the water and he is going to eat and become the new NXT Champion. Breaker walks away as Ciampa clutches the NXT Championship. And all I gotta say is, this was a fantastic opening segment. And that's what I love about NXT. When they open a show with a promo, they do it very, very well. You know with NXT, you're gonna get a great opening promo segment if there is one. Sometimes they kick things off with a match. Uh, This time around, they decided to do a promo, and they picked the perfect person, Tommaso Ciampa. Because what I love about Ciampa on the mic is the fact that he always keeps it real and tells it like it is. Everything feels like a shoot coming from him. Obviously, it's a work, but it feels like a shoot, and that's what it's supposed to be. And of course, Braun Breaker's just staring Ciampa down. He doesn't make he doesn't pick up a microphone. Ciampa doesn't want to pick up a microphone. He wants him to listen. And then Braun picks him up and sets him down and doesn't hurt him. And I love that. And the reason I love that is for two reasons. One, it shows that Braun Breaker still has respect for the veterans. But also on the back of his shirt. It says, beat them at their very best. And that's another reason why Breaker didn't want to take Ciampa out. Because he doesn't want any excuses when they fight for the NXT title. He wants to beat Ciampa when he's 100% at his very best. So there'll be no excuses when he takes the NXT championship. Now, of course, when I say when he takes the NXT championship, I'm talking about his mindset. Because there's no guarantee that he's going to walk out with the NXT championship. And I'm going to be honest. There's a part of me that thinks he's got a really good shot at winning it And the reason I think that is because the Royal Rumble is coming up And I feel like if Braun Breaker walks out of New Year's Evil as the NXT Champion I think Tommaso Ciampa might finally get called up to the main roster And at this point I feel like he has to and I know a lot of people think the main roster for NXT stars is the kiss of death and obviously the shit that Keith Lee and Karrion Cross went through is a prime example of that. But here's the reality. There's nothing left for Ciampa to do in NXT. I mean, he's been NXT champion twice. He's held the tag team titles with Johnny Gargano. So unless Ciampa wants to have a run with the North American championship, he might as well go to the main roster. Because that's all is going to be left for Ciampa to do. And I could see him doing that because Carmelo Hayes has been saying that, you know, as the North American champion, he is the A champion on the show. He's the number one champion, even though we all know that. That's bullshit. Because the North American title, as great as it is, it is a mid-card title. And the NXT title is the top belt. You are the A champion if you are the world champion. And that's just the truth. So I could see Ciampa going for the North American title so he can hold every belt in NXT. But if he's not going to do that, then he might as well go to the main roster. And I feel like with the Royal Rumble coming up in the same month, because that's January 29th, maybe Ciampa could debut on the main roster in the Royal Rumble. And as far as where he would go, I don't know. Would he go to Raw? Would he go to SmackDown? It would be intriguing to see which brand he goes to and how that works. Because I know Tommaso Ciampa is a badass. I know he is a fantastic wrestler. But I also know that if you stay in one place for too long, you can get stale at some point you're gonna have to go somewhere else in order to showcase how good you really are And I think that if Ciampa is truly talented, he needs to go to the main roster and see if he can shed that stereotype. If he can break through that barrier and get over on the main roster. And if the creative team fucking butchers him, there's always AEW. Or he can go to Impact Wrestling. I would say go back to Ring of Honor, but apparently Ring of Honor is, as a company, is on sabbatical um, for now. They just did their final battle pay-per-view. So I think they're supposed to be uh, reorganizing shit shit for the time being. So I wouldn't say go back to Ring of Honor because there isn't one right now. But there's there's other places Ciampa could go if the main roster doesn't work out. So that's why I think Braun Breaker has a shot at winning. At the same time I do agree with Champa. it is too much too soon and I don't know if giving Braun Breaker the title now is going to do good or bad for him because some people might think that he's getting the push because of who his dad and uncle are despite the fact that both those men have bad rapport with WWE so that's why I, in this case I probably wouldn't blame his family heritage but I don't want that to be a reason for why people think he doesn't deserve to be a champion or is moving way too fast so I kind of want him to not be the champion just yet because I don't want him to have that stigma attached to him because he is really good but we'll find out in two weeks I'll uh, I'll just say for now great opener to the show and on that note we move on to our first official match of the evening we have a street fight Dakota Kai versus Raquel Gonzalez now technically they say this match started in the ring I say because the street fight it started backstage because backstage Raquel is making her way to the ring Dakota Kai Kai pushes a road case at Gonzalez. Gonzalez avoid it and the two brawl. Kai tries a but Gonzalez puts on the brakes and swings her into some metal scaffolding. Gonzalez long darts Kai on, in, into a cage. Kai lands a few strikes. Gonzalez drives the metal scaffolding into Kai's gut. Kai throws anything she can get her hands on at Gonzalez. And then they do a bunch of other fighting outside the ring, even through the parking lot in the backstage area, all the way till they get to the ring. And this, to me, was the true definition of a street fight. And what I found the most interesting was, this is the first time I have seen a street fight or a hardcore match start backstage since like... The two thousands and WCW. Because back when I would watch the pay-per-views on the network, I didn't watch Nitro during this time. I would notice that anytime they had a WCW hardcore title match, ninety-nine percent of the time it started in the backstage area and eventually worked its way to the ring. So I kind of like that mindset of it. I liked seeing a street fight start back there, and I also like the fact that it was fucking violent. Like, there were a lot of times where Raquel was like, it looked like she was really hurting Dakota Kai, like long darting her into the into a chain link fence or power bombing her onto the steps or throwing her into this uh, one area backstage. It looked like it hurt like hell. Like, it was violent. I wouldn't be surprised if Dakota Kai has a concussion after this match. If she doesn't, I'll be shocked. But I also noticed that Dakota Kai is smart enough to tuck her chin when taking bumps... So that's the only thing that saved her but either way fuck this was violent and fuck it was awesome i thoroughly enjoyed this match and in the end gonzalez hits her powerbomb finish on a trash can gets the one two three the winner of the match raquel gonzalez and she deserved the win because doesn't look like dakota kai's going anywhere or doing anything so it makes sense for raquel to get her revenge on Dakota Kai, once and for all, and I hope this ends this rivalry, because it's gone far enough. But then, afterwards, Gonzalez grabs a mic and says she is tired of waiting, she wants a title rematch now, and she isn't leaving the ring until she gets it. Cora Jade interrupts. She comes out to the ring. Jade says Gonzalez deserves her title back, but she wants Mandy Rose, too. Gonzalez says Jade is her girl, but when it comes to the women's title, it's every woman for herself. Gonzalez will go through anyone to get her title back, foe or friend. Jade says not if she gets there first. Rose appears in the Titantron. She's at a pool hanging out. Rose says they are both jealous of her, but since it's the holidays, she has a gift for them both. At New Year's Evil, she will defend her title against both of them in a triple threat match. They can also enjoy an asking tonight. Gigi Dolan and JC Jane attack Gonzales and Jade from behind with Kendo Sticks. Jaden and Dolan launch Gonzalez through a table. Okay, let me just say this right now. My biggest gripe with this whole fucking segment was the kendo stick attack, mostly because of Cora Jade. Okay, first JC Jane hits Raquel with the kendo stick. Cora Jade looks over there, then looks over, then quickly looks over. There's a there's a long pause, and then Gigi hits her with a kendo stick. That was the fakest thing I'd ever seen in a long time in wrestling. What should have happened is both those women should have got hit with kendo sticks at the same time. Because I'm standing next to somebody, and all of a sudden I see somebody get hit with a kendo stick, my first reaction is punching that other person. I'm hitting JCJ with everything I got, and then maybe Gigi can come up and hit me with a kendo stick. But for Cora Jade, she sat there way too long. And like she was turning to look like, is she coming to hit me? Is she coming to hit me? Is she coming to hit me? The timing on that was absolute shit. Which in my opinion, killed the whole fucking segment. Now, before that, I was enjoying it. I like that Raquel is making it clear. When it comes to the woman's title, it's every woman for herself because it is. Everyone wants to be the women's champion. Raquel is saying, Cora, I don't hate you, but if you get in my way, I will take you out. And Cora's like, look, I respect you, but I'm not backing down because I want the women's title as well. And Mandy Rose trying to live in this world where everyone's jealous of her because of how hot she is. It's like, no, bitch, no one gives a shit how hot you are. They want the fucking title. But it's part of the gimmick and it's working and toxic attractions doing very well but like I said the promos were great even Mandy's promo was great you know it was a great heel 101 type of promo but the kendo stick moment at the end fucking killed it because it just looked dumb, and I blame Cora Jade. I do. Now, that's not to say that I don't like Cora Jade and I'm not looking forward to this triple threat match, although I did find it weird that the heel wants to have a triple threat match. Usually the heel is doing everything he or she can to not have a triple threat match. They usually get mad when that shit happens. So, unless Mandy comes out next week and says the reason she's giving them a triple threat match is because she believes that they're going to try to stop each other from winning, their egos won't allow one to win at the expense of the other, and she's going to exploit that to get her win. Or the fact that triple threat matches have basically become glorified, no disqualification matches... So now Tatsuka Trash can interfere and do what Zach and I were referring to on the show last week as lazy booking. Then, of course, after that, we cut to the backstage area with Grayson Waller, who confronts Indy Hartwell and her friend, Persia Parada. They find out their match got canceled. And basically, uh, Indy Hartwell thinks Grayson Waller is the absolute worst for what he did to Johnny Gargano. So apparently, everyone's still hating on Grayson Waller for what he had to say about, for what he did to Johnny Gargano. And of course, apparently, Apparently uh AJ Styles heard the shit that Grayson Waller was talking about about him on uh social media. And now it looks like AJ Styles is coming to NXT to confront Grayson Waller, which I'm definitely looking forward to. But here's the other thing that intrigued me while watching this segment. And that is why has Dexter Loomis not come for Grayson Waller's head yet? Especially since he's part of Gargano's faction and Gargano got taken out. And I also love the fact that Grayson Waller pulled off the uh saying he his future that he is the way to the future. I liked that. Getting Indy Hartwell all angry and triggered and pissed off. It was amazing. It was very entertaining. Grayson Waller is an asshole, but he's a good asshole. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area with Joe Gacy, who says Harlan wants to issue an apology for throwing Brian Kendrick down a flight of stairs. Uh, Gacy says it was basically Kendrick's fault, you know, that uh, he was calling Harlan a freak and it triggered him and whatever, but does apologize for any injuries that uh, Brian Kendrick sustained. Once again, Joe Gacy is doing very well with his promos. He's staying true to his gimmick and it's working every time. I still can't believe that was Brian Kendrick that got thrown down the flight of stairs. I I had no idea he was even still working for WWE in any capacity. So that was very intriguing for me. But either way, uh, still entertaining promo. Great job by these guys. And definitely a lot of fun. And on that note, we move on to our next match of the evening. If we even want to call it that. Uh, the Kree Brothers versus the Grizzled Young Veterans. Now... Even though the finish was incredibly fucking shitty, I still consider this a match. Why? Because the tag team wrestling in here was very well done. The Kree brothers and the grizzled young veterans put on a fantastic tag team wrestling clinic. These guys are fucking amazing. The Kree brothers get better every time. The Grizzle Young veterans have always been great. They've just been doing random comedy shit lately. So it was nice to see them finally get serious, get back in the ring, and start kicking some ass and reminding everybody who the fuck they really are. Now... What made this match the shitty, however, was Jacket Time coming out and doing the Japanese commentary, you know, basically just sitting at the sitting at their own random broadcast table they brought out themselves, this tiny little piece of shit table, and just started spewing a bunch of Japanese gibberish. That was just fucking unnecessary and stupid. Then eventually a brawl breaks out, Jacket Time gets involved, Briggs and Jensen join the fray, and now all four of these teams are fighting each other and it makes no fucking sense. I, this is one of those matches where it's like, maybe they need to remind us who the tag teams are in NXT. And it's like, where's the tag team division? Oh, I remember. That's what this was. It was a match between two great tag teams that had a bullshit comedy act interfere, and then two badasses had to join the fray. Stupid and unnecessary. But before the finish, great match. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area with Carmelo Hayes, who's with Trick Williams. Williams says he's going to put Loomis's thumb up his own ass. Loomis appears on the TV behind Williams Williams and Hayes jump and scurry away I love this promo Tricky B Williams And the B stands for You better ask somebody if you don't know I love Trick Williams I love Carmelo Hayes They are both gold on the mic They are definitely future tag team champions If they stay together as a team They could be like an urban version of Enzo and Cass I really do believe that because they are that charismatic and they're that damn good. So if Carmelo Hayes ever loses the North American title, I'd like to see them go for the tag belts before Carmelo Hayes takes the NXT title that rightfully belongs to him. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have Trick Williams with Carmelo Hayes versus Dexter Loomis. Now, I will say this is a fairly decent match. You know, both these guys know how to work. Both these guys told a story in the ring, and the timing was great and on point. Nobody botched. Nobody looked stupid. I did have one complaint, and that complaint is this. If you have a big TV event set to take place... In two weeks? Why the fuck is this match on the card for tonight? Why is this not booked for New Year's Evil? That's where this match belongs. This match had no business being on a random episode of NXT. That's why when, when uh Loomis put Trick Williams in the silencer, how I would have ended this match is I would have had Williams with the shoe smack Dexter in the face. Then the ref calls for the bell and it's a disqualification. So Dexter still gets the win, but it's a DQ win and then you build it to New Year's Evil, have the match there, and then have Loomis silence Williams and put him to sleep. That would have been a 10 times better finish and made this more interesting. But instead, you just gave it away on TV, and now you gotta build a card for a big show in two weeks. I hate that. I hate when you have a rivalry that's ongoing, you got a big TV or pay-per-view event coming up, And you take a match of this caliber and just give it away for free where it means nothing. And it's not just NXT that does this. Raw does it. SmackDown does it. AEW does it. They're all fucking guilty. Of doing this dumb shit. If you have a big match. Or a big pay per view. And you have a rivalry that's ongoing. End it at your big fucking show. To up your ratings. Bring in your fans. And make money. And what makes me so fucking mad about this. Is that these are decisions that are so fucking simple. But yet nobody in charge of booking or a wrestling company can figure that logic out. Nobody. And then, of course, after the match, Grayson Waller attacks Loomis with a chair. Backstage, AJ Styles arrives. After the break, Waller goes on and on about how great he is. Mercifully, AJ Styles interrupts. Waller takes credit for getting Styles to come to NXT. Styles tells Waller to shut the hell up. Styles calls Waller the biggest jackass in NXT. Waller asks Styles why he is here. Waller goes on and on about nothing important. And Styles says Waller is trying to get the AJ Styles rub. And and then Grayson Waller says you're here because your meal ticket left you last night. And Styles says, eh, I'm not sure Waller is a superstar. Braun Breaker, sure. Carmelo Hayes, definitely. Waller, not so much. Waller is all style and no substance. Waller threatens to end Styles right now. Styles tells him to do it. Waller had a few good weeks and thinks he's a superstar. Styles tells him to try being phenomenal for 20 years. Waller rolls out of the ring and says he's going to let Almost get Styles first. He'll get next. Okay, now, obviously I didn't watch Monday Night Raw last night, because I'll be honest, I don't fucking watch Raw anymore. I know a lot of people look at me like, Vinny, you should be watching Raw. I don't. It's unwatchable for me. I just check certain highlights on my phone if I have time. NXT, as I mentioned before, is the only wrestling show from start to finish I even watch anymore. AEW, I do occasionally. But NXT is where my main focus is because A, it's the one show that I'm required to recap, and B, it's the most entertaining to me. So if the Styles Almost Tag Team is truly broken up and they're truly going to fight each other, I'm going to be intrigued to see how that goes. Because I know Styles can make it on his own. I'm not sure if almost can. He rarely ever speaks. He rarely ever works. And he seems to be the type of guy that can only have good matches in tag team matches with a little guy to do 90% of the work. So I don't have a lot of confidence right now in Almost. Hopefully I'm wrong. But I really do hope they're not going their separate ways or that Almost is not going to get some crazy victory over Styles. Unless AJ can find some miracle way to win. But I definitely want to see AJ Styles versus Grayson Waller. And ideally, I would love to see it at New Year's Evil. But that's probably not going to happen. So what I think should happen is at New Year's Evil, we need to see Grayson Grayson Waller versus Dexter Loomis. And then once we get to the next TakeOver, and I'm going to call it TakeOver because I don't know what else to call it. Like, NXT pay-per-view just feels weird to say. But when we get to that next, you know, event, then you can have Grayson Waller versus AJ Styles. And if Almost is going to beat AJ Styles, then Styles needs to come to NXT full-time because they don't have a lot of stars down there and I feel like AJ Styles could have great matches with all the 2.0 guys and he could play a major role in getting a lot of them over and because AJ Styles never went to NXT he went straight to the main roster NXT is uncharted territory for the phenomenal one to explore And on that note, we cut to the backstage area with Malcolm Bivens, who challenges Carmelo Hayes to a title-for-title match with Roderick Strong at New Year's Evil. Now, at first, I was shocked when they booked this match. But then as I did more research, I heard rumors about the fact that they're looking to get rid of the Cruiserweight title. It served its purpose, and it just isn't useful anymore. So if you are going to do a title unification match like this, this would be the perfect way to get rid of the Cruiserweight title once and for all and just have the North American title. The big question is, who would get to wear that belt? Roderick Strong or Carmelo Hayes? I definitely know Carmelo Hayes is insanely over and extremely talented, so I don't know if I want to take the belt off of him. I also know that Roderick Strong is very, very gifted and he is a former North American champion as well, so it would make sense to see him with the NXT North American title, but if Roderick Strong is going to beat Carmelo Hayes then Roderick Strong needs to be ready for a big push and Carmelo Hayes needs to either be getting a shot at the NXT title or showing up in the Royal rumble preferably NXT title. And that's, of course, assuming Braun Breaker doesn't win in two weeks. And then we cut to a random segment with MSK and Matt Riddle. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I know you guys are tired of me bashing these three idiots, but that's what they are. They're fucking idiots, and that's all I'm going to say about this. I'm not even going to talk about this segment. All I'm going to say is two things. One, it's fucking stupid, and B, if you found this entertaining at all, you need fucking therapy because something is mentally wrong with you. You were born with a dick in your brain, and you're fucked in the head if you found any entertainment in these three fucking morons. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. Uh, Idris Enofi versus Von Wagner. Uh, the answer is no. We're not going to call this a match. Mostly because Von Wagner beat the shit out of Enofi for a good period of time. Then eventually Robert Stone came out to watch the match. And then Anofi surprises Wagner with a with an inside cradle for the win. So Idris Anofi gets the win. And after the match, Wagner destroys Anofi. Now, I liked that. Now, I don't know much about Idris Anofi, nor do I give a fuck. So I don't know if this is, like, a former champion they want to push or he's got some type of skill that WWE thinks that, that is useful, and that's why he's getting this, like, random-ass victory here. But either way, it doesn't... It, it looked good... Because Von Widener looked good in defeat and Ophi got a win, you know, to keep his character going. But overall, it was just kind of meh. Nobody really cared. Next, we get to the backstage area with Imperium, who says they aren't worried about MSK finding their shaman because they have a general. I loved this promo simply because they say they have a general, which leads me to believe if Douche Riddle is going to come down to the ring with MS Gay, then I think Walter should come down with Imperium and seeing Walter just decimate everybody I think would be fucking awesome because Imperium definitely needs to hold on to the tag belts because MS Gay does not deserve to get those belts back and on that note we move on to the next match of the evening here we got Eo Shirai versus Electra Lopez with Legado Del Fantasma Now, this segment started because Zoe Stark was in the back uh, getting uh, her knee looked at, but uh, Legado Del Fantasma wanted to cut in front of her in line, and she said no. And they were like, we're top guys, we get top priority, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually Io Shirai does that random thing where she yells and screams in Japanese. Spews a bunch of Japanese gibberish. Uh, Electra Lopez ain't having it. So they decide to have a match. And I will say as far as a women's match goes, it was pretty decent. Was it a kick-ass Barn burner, no, but it was decent, did its job. Then, of course, Zion Quinn walks down to the ring. Uh, Wild and Mendoza try to interfere, but Zion takes them both out. He gets on the apron with a mistletoe. Look, Lopez looks like she's about to kiss Quinn. Then Santos runs down to ringside, pulls him off the apron. Then, eventually, uh, Quinn fights off Escobar, throws him into the ring steps. Shirai drops Lopez with the Shote, then lands her patented moonsault, her over-the-moonsault, gets the one, two, three, the winner of the match, EO Shirai. And then, of course, Lopez is left all confused. Uh, Zion Quinn throws the mistletoe in the ring and walks out as Escobar is confused. Now he's trying to figure out where does Electro Lopez's loyalty lie, with Legado del Fantasma or with Zion Quinn? I hope she goes with Zion Quinn. I'd like to see that develop more. But either way, a very decent match. And of course, uh, Io Shirai is still claiming she doesn't care about Zoe Stark. He's always like, I knew it. You cared about me. You like me. And Io's like, no, I don't. And all I'm thinking is, this is stupid. Can we end this already? I am tired of the whole, I don't like you, but I'm still going to protect you bullshit. It makes no fucking sense. Either get them on the same page or break them up. I don't give a shit anymore about this. This is dumb as fuck. And... On that note, we cut to a taped promo with Brian Kendrick, who uh, decided that he wants to give his apology to Harlan in the ring. He announces that he has resigned as a coach and signed a waiver so he can face Harlan in the ring, and he wants to face him next week. Once again, I ask the question, why the fuck are you not booking this for New Year's Evil? Can someone please explain to me why you're making Brian Kendrick return to the ring on NXT and putting it on a random episode that means nothing? Next week is the Go Home Show. Why are you booking high-profile matches for a Go Home Show? It's stupid, it's retarded, and it wastes time. Brian Kendrick's time. I mean, how do you expect people to take your big New Year's Evil show seriously when you're putting high-profile matches on the fucking go-home show? That, again, means nothing. This whole concept is fucking stupid. But anyway, we about to move on to the main event of the evening. Now, of course, throughout the night, uh, Tony D'Angelo had his promo from earlier, which I thought was very well done. Fit his gimmick. He talked about the mouthpiece. He talked about, you know wanting to make a statement and plans on kicking Pete Dunne's ass. Pete Dunne talked about being the same age as the 2.0 guys, but ha- but still having years of experience over them in the business and that he's just as hungry as they are to climb the ladder and get success, and he's going to get his revenge on Tony D'Angelo. So they both cut great promos earlier in the night leading up to this match with Tony D'Angelo versus Pete Dunne. This was a fucking solid Solid main event match. Great back and forth action, great storytelling, violence, and everything in between. These guys delivered on a massive fucking level. Both these guys are incredibly talented. And both these guys, if booked properly, could be future NXT champions. Pete Dunne, especially, because he's definitely ready for that belt. Tony D'Angelo, he needs to be seasoned a little bit more, but he's on the right track. His gimmick is perfect. And then, of course, in the end, uh, Dunn hits the bitter end for the one, two, three. The winner of the match, Pete Dunn. After the match, D'Angelo tries to attack Dunn from behind. D'Angelo drops Dunn with his finish outside the ring. Dunn is in a bad way. D'Angelo then takes a crowbar and hits Dunn in the hand with it. Because earlier, Tony said he was going to get revenge on Pete for snapping his fingers. And he did it in a great way. So he injured uh, Pete Dunn's hand to kind of get revenge. So even though Pete Dunn as a babyface is... In extreme pain, you know, he wants to get that sympathy, but here's the problem. Because he's so well known for breaking fingers, it's hard for him to get sympathy when he gets injured, when he takes great pride in going around and injuring other people. So that's the only drawback, really, to his gimmick. It's hard for him to get that babyface sympathy. But, Tony D'Angelo finds ways to pull it off because he's such a great fucking heel. And these guys told great storytelling, and... You know, even though Pete Dunne won the match, Tony D'Angelo looked good at the end with that attack on Pete Dunne. And because Pete's going to be off the shelf, obviously there's no incentive to have another match at New Year's Evil, so we're probably not going to see that. Unless by some miracle, Pete Dunne can heal up his hand in two weeks and they have another match, which I doubt they're going to do. So it looks like this could be the end of this for now. I don't know what either one of them is going to do for New Year's Evil. Hopefully Pete Dunne's on the shelf, so he sells that hand injury, and maybe Tony D'Angelo D'Angelo can wrestle somebody else or face somebody else or figure some shit out. But either way, solid main event. Great guys and very, very exciting. All right. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up the recap of NXT. Make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor, Spotify breaker and google podcast pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites also like us on facebook go to facebook.com slash theboochcast we have archived episodes of the show as well as great Content And speaking of great content, make sure you guys check out, uh, Derek Shapiro's new movie, uh, Starting Over, uh, that will be featured on the, uh, Boochcast Facebook page. And also make sure you guys tune in on movieinternetchannel.yolosite.com and all the other crazy, uh, Derek Shapiro websites, uh, for our New Year's Eve show we're going to be doing together, as well as the movie countdown, you know, best movies of 2021 that Derek Shapiro has done. Uh, we do this every year. Make sure you guys check it out. It's going to be awesome. Awesome. Also, make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at TheBoochCast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Also, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel where you can check out all of our content, including BoochCast reviews, Dark Side of the Ring, uh, our archive watch parties, our D&D one-shot, funny skits, holiday videos. We got the Christmas video coming out Saturday, so make sure you guys check that out as well. It's going to be hilarious. So that's going to be featured on the YouTube channel as well. So hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified so you'll know when the new episodes of Boochcast Reviews Dark Side of the Ring will be featured. Uh, We got, of course, coming your way in the future. We have the Dynamite Kid, the Plane Ride from Hell, the Double Life of Chris Canyon, uh, Blood and Wire, Onita's FMW. We have Bikers, Bombs, and Bedlam uh, with Johnny Canine. We got the Many Faces of Luna Bashan. we got XPW and, of course, the Steroid Trials. All coming soon. So make sure you hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified so you'll see when those episodes will be featured on our Boochcast YouTube channel as well as other additional content that will be coming soon. Also, make sure you are following us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash the That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, January the 29th for the WWE's Royal Rumble. We'll be live at 8 p.m. for the Royal Rumble on Twitch at 7 p.m. on that day, an hour before the show starts. We'll have a bootleg link available on our Twitter page so you can check out the show. If you don't have a Peacock subscription, you can check out the pay-per-view that way. All you gotta do is turn the volume down on the pay-per-view, turn the volume up on us, so you can follow along with us while we watch This great pay-per-view to kick off the road to WrestleMania. Also, of course, we're going to be doing our live D&D show. That is coming in the year 2022. I'm going to have some details on that uh, very soon. We just got to work out a lot of uh, kinks and stuff. And I'll go over a little bit more of that on a future episode of the Bootscast. Uh, At least the last one for the year that I'm going to put out. Uh, I'll explain more about that in a moment. But just know in 2022, we will be launching our Dungeons & Dragons show on Twitch. Also, we got special uh, gaming that we're going to be doing on there now. We're going to be doing some video gaming. Uh, Most of that will be done by Elvis Delinsky. Uh, Once I give him the Twitch information, he's going to set up his gaming. So that way he can uh, live chat with you guys in the video game world with whatever games he's going to play. So uh, be on the lookout for our gaming show coming very soon in 2022. So make sure you guys are ready. And of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. Now, there are three levels you can donate at all with prizes coming soon. The first level is you can donate for a mere 99 cents. That's right, just 99 cents Per month is all you have to donate. If you got a lot of bills to pay and you don't have a lot of money to throw around, but you still want to support the Booch Cash because you're a fan, that's what the 99 cent level is for. You know, as much as we love uh, you guys and want you guys to donate, we don't want our fans to break the bank. We don't want you to sacrifice a car payment or a house payment or feeding your family to help out this show. We would never ask you guys to do that. That's why we're saying all you gotta do, just send us 99 cents and use the rest of the money to take care of business. Because everybody's got a dollar they can throw around. I know, there's a lot of homeless people with change in their cups. But if you got some extra spending cash and you wanna help out, the second level you can donate to is $4.99 per month. That's right, the same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money, give us money. We got better content than the Peacock anyway. And then of course we have the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. That's right, the same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription. Uh, ever since they sold to the Peacock you've had nowhere to put that $9.99 so take that $9.99, bring it over here we got better content in the network and the best part is, unlike the WWE, we actually care about our fans and want to take care of them. We take great pride in giving the people what they want. And the best part is you can pay with a credit card or with GPay and also as a disclaimer, once you select your monthly contribution you can send to get access to do this immediately and you agree that if you don't cancel before the end of the subscription period you will automatically be charged every month until you cancel. Now the best part is, you can cancel at any time. However, you will not be entitled to a refund on that cancellation. So you don't get the money back, you just stop giving money. And there's full terms and instructions on how to cancel. All you gotta do is there's a link you can click to go check that out. And there's another link you can check out for more information on how they process your personal data in their Anchor Privacy Policy. I will make it clear right now, we don't see any of your personal Information We, the Boochcast, do not see any of your personal information when you make a contribution. At best, we might see your name. And if we do, we might use that as an opportunity to give you a shout out here on the Boochcast. At best, that's what we would do. We have no interest in hacking anybody. We have no interest in stealing your data or stealing your identity. We would never do that to our fans. The fact that you're even donating money to us at all is appreciated. We don't need to take any more from you unless you want to buy some additional merch. And even then, we're not taking the money from you. You're choosing to buy the merch. So, anytime you give us money, it is your decision. We're not forcing anybody to do anything, and we're sure as hell not going to try to take it from you. We're not those type of people. But, some of you might still be wondering, Booch, where's this money going to go if I decide to donate it? Good question. All that money goes right back into this show. We use it to upgrade our equipment, we use it to bring in bigger name guests, pay our bills, and I take care of all the guys who work really hard on and off the air to make the booch cast a success so if you have a favorite co-host and you believe they deserve to be paid for their hard work anchor.fm slash the booch cast slash support is how you make that happen and if there is any money left over after we take care of all that we use the remaining amount of money to feed Zach ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, AKA The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! While well, I see by the clock on a wall. That it's time to bid you one and all goodbye, goodbye, so long, so long,
1: farewell, farewell, adieu, adieu, be good, stay well, bye bye, keep warm, relax, and eat, take care, stay loose, adieu, bon i à la prochaine, goodbye till when we meet again.